Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Husky Talk. This week we will be speaking with the four-time I Did Ride champion and I Did Ride Hall of Famer Jeff King. We are your hosts, Joshua Peterson and Hunter Long. Good morning, hi, gentlemen. Jeff. Um, hi Jeff. How old are you guys? Uh, 11. No, 12. 13. Um, how uh-huh. are... Alright. Well, cool. Alright. I'm ready when you are. Alright. How are you today? Well, I'm really good. I just got home last night from uh, a sled dog race out on the Delta of Alaska called the Kuskokum 300, and it's nice to be home. My crew is busy getting ready for another race that will be occurring uh, a week from Saturday. So, busy, busy. We'd like to start off our show by asking all of our guests who or what inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod. Oh, well, you know, um, I was, I remember well, um, when I was 18 years old, I'd come to Alaska and I thought I was going to go back to California and go to college and, um. So I was taking a, a test called the SAT test, and it was a test you guys will take when you're getting ready to you go to college. They want you to take this test. And anyway, I needed to... Uh, Would you take a message? I needed to take that test, and... Um, um, so I, but I had to go up to Nenana, Alaska. I was working for the summer in Alaska, and I went up there, and on the chalkboard in the school that I was taking the test in, um, they had written, Congratulations, Jerry Riley, for winning the Iditarod. And um, uh, I thought, well, what's that? And uh, after my test, I did a little uh, research and... Um, uh, found out about this sled dog race, and so I guess it's that 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 inspired me to look into it. I had a good friend at the time named Gary Whittemore, who, when I talked to him about it, he thought it sounded exciting, and um, I said, I'll go if you go, and it was the kind of thing, it was really nice to have a, a buddy system and kind of have somebody to go with to help and have help. Um, So um, between uh, Jerry Jerry Riley winning the Iditarod that year and my friend Gary Whittemore, I think that's where my inspiration came from. Well, first off, congratulations on your third place finish in the Cusco Quimp 300 this past weekend. Thank you. You were watching. Can you talk to us a little bit about what this race was like? Um, the Cusco Quim 300 is just out in a place that is uh, the, called the Delta, and it really is a, uh, the topography is very flat. Just willows and water, ice, rivers, but flat, flat, flat for a long ways. Um and so without any topography or much vegetation, the weather, uh, the wind and um, 
nothing can stops the wind from blowing and, and it blows the snow away. It's typically got not very much snow. And this year they had some rain uh, on top of what little snow they had and it turned all their snow into ice. And so um, this year, more than half the trail was just um, as slippery ice as the local skating rink would have. And um, that made it um, a unique challenge. But uh, what we had to do to deal with that is go a little slower and send some dogs home early because we just, you didn't need so many dogs to pull when it's on ice. It's just so low resistance that um, the larger team was actually um, a disadvantage. And um, so, um, but the, it didn't blow. Uh, the wind didn't blow during the race very much. And uh, I'm very thankful for that because the ice was so slippery that um, the wind would have blown us around uh, pretty pretty easily if uh, on that ice if if it had been blowing. So the listeners know your kennel name is Husky Homestead. Can you tell us how you came up with the name of your kennel? Yeah, well, that's funny you should ask that because uh, I like the name a lot and. You know, in the summertime, we are also um, show our kennel to visitors that visit Alaska from around the world. It's a very popular destination uh, for people visiting Alaska. And um, um, the word kennel, however accurate, was a little too um, farm-oriented. And I wanted a word that shared more of how I felt about it than um, a kennel that, that to me made it sound too, it didn't express the affection I have uh, for the dogs or the place. It, it sounded too um, unemotional, military, or something about Homestead way way more describes how I um, feel about where I live and, and the dogs I'm living with. So um, it is exactly uh, why I, I did that. Plus, I also think that it is a better, a, a more accurate representation to visitors who are coming here who, um, like, I don't know, is as different as the word farm is from ranch. Um, it just paints a little different picture that I think is a little more accurate. Nice. We noticed your first Iditarod was in 1981, and then you didn't race again it again until 1991. Can you tell us why you were away from the Iditarod for 10 years? <laughs> you guys have been doing your homework. Um, yes, I can tell you. And it's because... Um, there was another race that started up called the Yukon Quest. Have you heard of that? Yes. yes. Yeah, well, um, I entered the very first Yukon Quest, and I did it for nine years in a row right right then. And it was my hope. Back then, the Iditarod wasn't as big a deal as it is now. 
and um, the Yukon Quest started and finished a little closer to my home. I liked the idea that of being in the very first one because I would be one of the people that learned the most about the trail and get a head start on the, the specific knowledge of the trail. And uh, as the years went by, the Iditarod became um, more well-known than the Yukon Quest. Part of that, undoubtedly, was the high-profile um, personality of Susan Butcher and a, a, a woman who dominated the race in the mid-80s. And, um, and I knew that if I wanted to be a professional dog racer, that I should go back and run the Iditarod because that's, um, that was the one that um, had become more famous and I wanted to race against the best mushers in the world and they were over there at the Iditarod and not in the Yukon Quest. Okay. How long did it take you to win your first Iditarod? How long? Yes. Um, it was 10 days, 15 hours. At the time, that was a new race record. I was very proud. It's the only time I've held the Iditarod race record. Um, but it only lasted one year, and uh, I think it was Martin Boozer the next year that beat that time. And we have continued to break the Iditarod race record, uh, as you must know, many, many times since then. Um, and I, I don't know where it's going to end. We heard that you have invented several things over the years. Can you tell us which invention you are most proud of? Huh. Well, I think um, the invention I'm most proud of is rearranging the sled um, to give the musher, get the musher's weight and our body closer to the middle of the sled with some of the cargo carrying capacity is now behind us and instead of historically it was all in front of us and um that um is now almost universally used in sled dog races and i'm very proud to have been the one to figure out how to make it work and to know that my colleagues and and fellow racers are are having better races because of an idea that i had do you have any inventions planned for this year's race? Well, you know, um, I I have been messing, you know, now that I'm almost 62 years old, I have, my eyesight isn't as good as it used to be, and I have to wear reading glasses sometimes for seeing the small print. If I have to, during the race, see something that is, uh, very small I have to put my glasses on but glasses in the winter fog up and I've been um, experimenting and practicing with inventions if you will of ways to um, make my glasses uh, work even in cold weather and I've done this by drilling a hole in the center of the glass and um, I used them this during the Cusco and uh and it worked well and uh i've shared it with a few of my friends and colleagues and they've tried it and i've 
uh, I'm getting positive reports back that they like it as well. So um, um, that's the um, a, a piece of equipment I've modified. We've done some <clears throat> training differences. Uh, we did in early December have some of the longest, most consistent uh, training runs I've ever uh, had the dogs do. So I'm hoping, and, and I believe some of our success in the Cusco uh, was the dogs really had, were very comfortable with the very long runs that we did because we had practiced specifically doing that. In 1996, you had an ideal rider named CJ from a Make-A-Wish Foundation. Can you talk to us about how he made an impression on your life? Well, I don't know. Um, I hope you haven't had to suffer through the, the death of uh, someone who's close to you, but CJ had cancer. He became a very good friend of mine, as did his family, and um, so knowing that he had to deal with that very horrible disease um, made me very sad, but also made, before he died, I, I know that I wanted him to be proud of me because he had chosen me to be his, his musher, and I felt like his hero, so it inspired me to do the very best job I could. And, um, and I realized, and it wasn't, I didn't try it extra hard to win because CJ was um, so uh, my, my friend and had chosen me to be his musher. And, and what it did was actually make me not care about winning so much, but care about doing everything well. And as it turned out, by not worrying about winning, but worrying about doing everything well, that translated and ultimately resulted in also winning. So it was a good lesson for me to know that um, we do the best we have the best results when we don't care about the the results as much as we care about how well we um, accomplish whatever we're doing. And we keep our focus on doing a good job instead of worrying about um, the ultimate end result of will we get there before someone else. Uh, yeah, I kind of had the same feeling. Uh, in 2012, my mom, we discovered that my mom had cervical cancer, and it kind of went away for about a year and a half, then it came back, and then it stopped, and then about six months later, it came back, and uh, actually, the previous summer, we found out she was in remission, and you know, it, just good luck. She's been in remission for almost seven months now, and she's been going good, so I kind of know where you're at. Yeah, well, you tell her hi from me, and I'm thrilled with her remission, and uh, you enjoy every day with her. Thank you very much. Yeah. We watched your vi YouTube video 
from 2014 that showed lack of snow and you falling down several times. Can you talk to us about that video and the year of the Iditarod? Yeah, well, that was um, one of the most incredible dog mushing runs I've ever been on in my life. And it just so happened that I strapped a camera on my chest when I started. I mean, I had reason to believe it was going to be um, a challenging run, but I had no idea it was going to be like that. And uh, the fact that I didn't knock the camera off and that it took such great pictures is, uh, was really, really good luck. I had completely uh, forgotten about um, having the camera on because I was so... Uh, intensely um, concentrating on that darn trail. Um, so um, it was a lack of snow, not unlike what we just did out in Bethel, only in that case there were downhills and things to hit, uh, like trees and rocks. Um, so, um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I honestly think um, I'm just really glad I didn't know how bad it was going to be because I'm not sure I would have been willing to go. But I'm really glad that I got through it, and I'm just thrilled that that piece of video got captured to share with people uh, around the world who have some interest in what it is we do. So I'm glad you got to see it. If you feel comfortable talking about this, could you tell us about the 2016 race in which your team was struck by a snow machine? And if it has changed you? Um, you know, uh, when that incident happened and my team got hit by a snow machine, um, it happened so fast. Um, you know, it's not like I was scared as I heard the snow machine coming because that happens often and they typically zoom right by us. And I was very tired. It was the middle of the night and I... I remember knowing a snow machine was coming, but, um, and I remember knowing that, oh, I've got my light on, I've, my dogs have reflectors on, I, I should be, um, visible and that I shouldn't need to worry, um, unnecessarily. Um, but, um, of course, he came so close and actually, to me and then hit several of my dogs. The whole thing happened so quick, uh, guys, that um, I was, <clears throat> part of me was kind of in shock. The other part was immediately administering first aid and evaluating how the dogs were and um, trying to figure out what to do. Um, so I... Uh, the snow machine disappeared into the dark, so it's not like I had reason to be scared that it was going to happen again or that someone was trying to hurt me. Uh, I wanted to believe it was an accident, uh, and at first I thought and that it was. Um, but um, I knew I needed to get my hurt dogs to the checkpoint, and it wasn't that far to the checkpoint. And so uh, I loaded the ones up who were hurt 
and the one that was had died and uh, gave him a ride in. Um, it was um, a very, you know, sad experience, but um, no buts about it. It was a very sad experience. I'm glad that's the only time I've ever had to experience such a thing. And, um, you know, um, whether my guess is you guys know of someone who's been hit by a you know somebody who knows somebody who's been hit by a drunk driver or been in a car accident and in Alaska this is the equivalent of a, a car accident that is sad and unacceptable but it happens when people make bad choices and um, uh, that's what's happened uh, I am very uh, thankful you know there's always a little bit of a silver lining that um, when something bad happens you find out how many people are your friends who um, console you and offer sympathy and um, and in the end uh, I, I tried to f uh, appreciate um, the fact that uh, so many people um, were sorry for for my the accident I went through and um, and it just reminds you how many friends you have. So, of all the championships, honors, and awards you have won, such as humanitarian award, Spirit of Alaskan Alaska, and many more, which is your most important to you? You know, um, that's a, um, a very, very hard question because, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years, four times as old as you guys have even been alive. And I've been in a lot of dog races and they're all, uh, many, many of them have been so special in one way or another. Certainly um, winning in 1996, knowing that uh, C.J. Colby was um, was so um, excited for me and that I was his musher. It felt pretty special to win that race, knowing that I got to share it with him. And um, I have won the humanitarian award several times, and I did a lot in other races, and it always feels good. Um, but... Um, I try to do the best I can caring for my dogs every time. Uh, but, um, and I don't really think they know the difference whether I got the award or not. They just know if I did a good job during the race. Um, so um, it is nice to be recognized for that when it happens. But many, 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 many of the mushers, by far the majority, um, take wonderful, wonderful care of their dogs. And um, it's also, we're doing it out in the woods, in the dark and across the r remote parts of Alaska. You know, there may well be people who did it something more impressive, but no one was there to see it. So um, um, anyway, that 1996 win, 
because of CJ. And in 2006, when I won, um, I was 50 years old, and um, I, at the time, would have thought I was too old to win the Iditarod again. But the fact that I did and did it with a team that was so dominant and uh, I finished with 12 dogs that were going so fast. I couldn't have been more proud of how how it all work, worked out. Is your main goal to still get that fifth title? <laughs> no, it is not. My main goal is to do it well for my dogs and for myself and for my family. As I mentioned before, I've learned that if your goal is something as shallow as being the one person who has won five times or the most times, um, I think that's the wrong reason for um, being out there. That is a very self-centered and um, selfish um selfish emotion that um, I would try to avoid. If it were to happen, it will happen because I've done it well and better than anybody else that year. But, um, you know, it is a, um, you know, people, because there are so many Iditarod mushers who have won four times and only one who has won five, um, it is a common um subject of race fans and reporters and uh, I don't know maybe it means more to somebody else than me but anyway that's how I feel about it okay Jeff we have started a new segment recently called lightning round we're going to ask you some quick questions about you that you need to answer as quick as you can ready ready favorite book my Side of the Mountain, and Burning Daylight. Baseball or basketball? Uh, baseball. Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles? Cocoa Pebbles. Favorite snack on the trail? Favorite meal on the trail is um, shredded almonds. Favorite movie? Rio Bravo. Favorite singer? George Strait. All right. The last part of the show is called Musher Mount Mushmore. You know Mount Rushmore, right? I do. If you were asked to replace the four presidents' faces on Mount Rushmore to faces that you that have made a huge impact on the Iditarod, who would you choose? You can choose mushers, volunteers, dogs, really. You can just pick anything. Huh. Wow, great question. I think Joe Reddington Sr. would be the first one, and Dorothy Page would be the second one, and hmm, I would feel really good about Libby Riddles being up there, and because I get to choose, I'd like me to be up there. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for for your time and talking with us today, Jeff. Well, um, 
You are. You guys are very, very welcome. I'm very impressed with the uh, preparations you have made to um, for this interview, and I hope you and your teacher will send us a letter so that I can return um, a thank you to you in the mail. So. Um, Thank you very much, and really good job. Okay. Good luck in the Iditarod. We will be rooting for you. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Jeff King for being on our show this week. Credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, The Iditarod Trail.